hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Store. I'm Paul Bestel. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 144, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. How are you, Paul? I'm very well, considering that, uh, as I was saying to you earlier, I have decided to make a obligation to waste probably the rest of this year catching up with a show that I really should have watched the first time. I can only assume that's Better Call Saul. <laughs> Golden Girls? Uh, no, I'm not. I've, I've watched the Golden Girls. I watched it in its prime, in its pomp. Fair, fair. Uh, the original, the original Golden Girls hipster, Paul Bestel. Yeah, that's me. Friday <laughs> night fun. Nice. So, what is what is the show that you are endeavouring to explore, my friend? I have a confession. I was never aware of Supernatural till it hit about season six okay. here in the UK. And uh, at that point, I just thought, I can't be asked joining a show this far in. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's going to happen. I'll wait right. till the previous seasons start to stream. But they never did until about six weeks ago here in the UK. So I have started Supernatural from the very beginning. Fabulous. Oh, I, I, as I mentioned to you off air when we were talking about this, I'd been considering doing that myself. So I'm going to have to hop on that so we can trade notes because otherwise I... I get real lazy watching shows, especially when there's like 22 episodes per season. Mm. It feels, you know, insurmountable. I mean, the fact that I got through the X-Files is a minor miracle. I've done that three times. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I liked it, but I don't know if I liked it that much. <laughs> there's a lot of hidden gems in it that you only pick up the more you watch it, like the episode where they discover that weird alien fungus and the whole episode's basically a delusion, isn't it? Oh, that, that was chilling. That was a great, that was a great episode. Absolutely. And the Golden One, and uh, obviously Toombs's two appearances, and sure. Home, which is classic, which is one of those where occasionally you'll see a meme on the internet going, this episode was banned. It's never been banned here. <laughs> I've, seen, ah. I've seen that episode more than I should. You know what? No one's ever going to let research get in the way of a good meme, Paul. Well, when you work in the paranormal, you know that to be a fact. It's yes. one of the only facts you'll find on these memes. <laughs> this is unsubstantiated bullshit, but we're going to tell you it's real. <laughs> That could be a few, uh, a few accounts and sites and, and yeah, other things. Well, we'll we won't dwell on this. But uh, speaking of memes, Paul, I, I have been absolutely gobsmacked by a meme. And of course, you know what I'm talking about. We've yes. got the ghost, the ghost story guys. Instagram is probably our best, like our most successful social media outlet because it's the one I sort of identify with, you know, pictures are easy for me to understand. But I, I've started putting up little videos as well because reels, which are sort of like Instagram's answer to TikTok. Those have been those have been becoming very popular on the platform for various reasons. So sometimes I'll get like a um, I, I get a lot of stuff from Twitter, and what I'll do is I'll use Canva, the free app, to assemble the screen cap of the tweet itself and then the video, and I'll put it into a reel. And I do this all the time. It's just kind of part of the job. And you know uh, the stuff I've been finding lately has been you know getting a little more popular. You get like uh, ten thousand views, twelve thousand views. You know there's. There's one of a monkey drop kicking a guy in the back that did very well for us. Yeah. You set some Wu-Tang to that, you got yourself a winner. And uh, so I put up one, a, a video and it, it was not special at the time. I was like, yeah, it's another video. And that video was two camels having sex on a highway somewhere in the Middle East. 
mm-hmm. while cars just sort of gathered around them uh, in sort of, I can only assume a sort of a d- export of the British pastime of dogging, uh, cameling, camelot. <laughs> Look up dogging, kids. Well, not kids. Kids, adults. Look up dogging if you don't know what I mean. Yeah, no, depending kids. on the uh, the age allowed in your particular state or province. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was a teachable moment there. But anyways, <laughs> so two camels, you know, making the beast with two humps or four humps, I guess. And uh, I said it to the Jay Giles band song "Love Stinks." Fifteen seconds, love stinks, and then just camels banging as the car drives past them. Didn't think anything about it. Put it up. Well, Paul, I, I, always, I open the app a couple times a day to check, you know, I reply to comments, shit like this. And usually it's like, okay, you got 100x and, you know, this many comments. So I kind of go and do all that stuff. Um, I, I, the app has been unmanageable because this camel video has exploded. It, it, it literally went viral. And it has, as of right now, been viewed 6.2 million times. It is the single most popular thing I have ever put on an internet. And I am absolutely baffled by how this has come to be. So I was joking on Instagram that, you know, we're going to change the name of the show to the camel sex guys, because by God, you know, we've, we've touched, we've, we've touched a nerve and we're going to keep working it. But, uh, yeah. So the most popular thing the ghost story guys has done to date is posting a video of two camels making, making it on a highway. And it just, every time I open the app, it's just chock a block with notifications. Doesn't matter what else I put up. Camel sex gets the hits. So mm. I, I am perpetually confused by the world around us. Yes. You must feel as though you are a, a character in a millennial drama appearing on some streaming platform where people open up their notifications and it's just going bing, 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 bing like crazy frog. More or less. Yeah. I mean, with, with the Instagram, I had to turn off notifications because <laughs> there's just no point. Like, you know, I did that a long time ago because um, <laughs> if I, if I had notifications on while this was going on, my phone would look like Micah Hanks's phone, which <laughs> if anyone's ever hung out with Micah in real life, his phone, it's constantly going. That man, that man is, is the center of many, many webs. He's a very popular guy. So well, it makes a change from, you know, checking your Instagram and making sure you turn notifications on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my personal account, you mean? Yes. Yes. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, on this episode, we do not have any more tales of camels. I did, I did actually look around for camel themed stories and I thought, ah, I didn't really find didn't really find enough that I liked to make it worth the, uh, the gag. I hope um, that didn't give you the hump. Boo. <laughs> I'm, I'm just hoofing around. Oh, okay. That's it. <laughs> I can't, again, I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm sitting here. My brain is the hamster is asleep on the wheel. The hamster has gout like I do right now. And it's just kind of laying there moaning softly. So we're going to move on from your wordplay. You beautiful bastard. <laughs> And before we get to our, our fabulous ghost stories on this episode, we have to thank our patrons. This one's for the patrons. Patrons, even when Paul and I cannot agree on what the name of a nursery rhyme is, <laughs> Alice the Camel, you are the glue that binds us. And we are so, so grateful for every one of you guys. For real, the show wouldn't exist. I mean, everyone who listens to Ghost Story Guys, you help make the show what it is. But patrons allow the show to continue. And, you know, you allow me to spend my my afternoons with my good friend here and for him to have to put up with me, which I mean, maybe, you know, you should talk to him about that. But no, for real, we love you guys and we really appreciate it. And while we'd like to thank all our patrons, we'd especially like to thank our latest patrons. They are Heather Jewell, Sophie Hillcoat, Teresa Hogue, Chantal Desnoyer, Cats Woman, Emily Vakos. 
Sufi. I like your spark. Tiana Godfrey. And Durant. Marco Pena. Guys, thank you so, so much. For real, again, we appreciate the ever-loving hell out of what you do to help us keep this great big machine going. And if you want to join the team, head down to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. That's patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have all kinds of crazy tiers, and we'll tell you about that at the end of the show. But what I will tell you now is that for a dollar a month, you get an ad-free feed. Who doesn't want that? Ads suck. And so, again, if you want to help us out, head to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. One last thing before we hit the break. Shout out to our composer, Rainy Days for Ghosts. Rainy Days for Ghosts is a project of Southern California-based film journalist and composer Jerry Smith. Jerry is an enormously talented artist who's currently working on a very, very cool project that I don't think we can tell you about yet, but uh, should be able to tell you about soon. It's not for us, but it's super cool. And if you'd like to hire Jerry for your project, shoot them an email at rainydaysforghosts at gmail.com. Also, I'd like to welcome Jerry and, by extension, Rainy Days for Ghosts, to the Night Harvest Recordings family. Night Harvest Recordings is a little label that we operate here at Ghost Story Guys, and we've just added Jerry's music to our streaming catalog. So to celebrate that, we're going to be sharing a track from their Rescore album. And Rescore is Jerry's tribute to some of the horror film soundtracks that really inspired them in their youth. But it's not just a reinterpretation of old classics. You know, it's not the Halloween theme done again. It is entirely new, very moody soundscapes inspired by those films. So, on this episode, we're going to be sharing the track Buildings Burn, which is a tribute to Alex Proyas's fantastic 1994 film, The Crow. And if you like what you hear, you can stream it everywhere. You listen to your tunes, or you can buy it at rainydaysforghosts.bandcamp.com. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. As we said before the break on this episode, we have a fine set of stories for you. So there's actually some really hairy stuff in there. There's there's one that deals with, uh, okay, there's no good way to say this, holes um, that uh, I find particularly upsetting. Uh, we're going to get there in a moment. I actually, we, uh, I ended up there because I'm trying to put together an episode on astral spiders. And so I found that story while doing the astral spider dig. And I, I think it's probably going to be a while yet before I have enough good stories to kind of put together a full episode. But um, yeah. Anything that involves basements and holes in the wall, bad news. Mm. Don't come clubbing with me around Manchester then. <laughs> I don't think I'm strong enough for that. Anyways, Paul. My back certainly isn't these days. <laughs> I was so bummed. I, I was listening to Paul's 50th birthday is coming up. And um, I was very much hoping to get over there because you're, you know, you're having a big bash. And um, I was very much hoping to get over there. But it's, it's kind of coinciding with my, my temporary relocation to Montreal. And so it's, it's not, it's not going to work out. So you're going to have to party, uh, maybe 0.2% harder for me. Cause I think that's what I would have brought to the table. <laughs> yes. Well, I can't get in the way of the witness protection program, Brennan. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's understandable not to yeah. worry. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to be moving to, uh, not moving, just uh, temporarily re- relocating to Montreal. If all goes to plan, I'll be there from September 12th to just after Christmas. I know we're talking about um, Nikki's going to come and we're hoping she'll be able to come for Christmas. And then we, her and I will have Christmas there with our friends who live in Montreal and her and I will come back home. So that's sort of the plan. But if you're in Montreal, you want to hang out while I'm there, shoot me a message. Ghostoryguys at gmail.com. I'm always up to get together and talk about spooky shit. And I can't, well, I cannot invite you to Paul's birthday. I will say, <laughs> make sure to send him a, a happy birthday message on September 10th. 
14th. 14th. Oh, September 14th. I was close. The party's on the 10th, right? Yes. There the party's on the 10th, and then I'll come round on the 14th. <laughs> Just in time to record the new show. It'll be like uh, like them rolling away the stone to f- pull Jesus out of the cave. Yeah, I hope not. I'm DJing the day after the party. That's a very, very optimistic choice. Yeah, I'm only doing half an hour, though, and it's oh, about okay. half six, so I should be somewhat <laughs> alive by then, I think. by then. Oh, man. <laughs> So on this episode, we're not going to have a mail segment uh, just because we wanted to talk about something that came up on the last show. It was just kind of cool. A couple little synchronicities. The first was that we told some stories uh, from the website, We Are the Mighty. The article was sort of a compendium of experiences. And I know you asked me about The Rock, Mm -hmm. which apparently is an infamous outpost in Afghanistan where things have occurred. And we had a message from our listener, Athanasia, who said that some of those stories are actually from The Rock. So it sounds like the website may have aggregated a bunch of different sources and maybe not credited all of them quite, mm. you know, quite, quite as, as much as they should, including, it turns out, one of our own listeners' stories. Our listener, Devin, got in touch via Twitter, and I'm supposed to be setting up an, uh, an interview with him sometime next week to hear his stories proper and get some context. But apparently, yeah, one of our listeners, that was his story that he had posted elsewhere, I guess, a long time ago and got kind of caught up in this thing. And just a, a crazy little synchronicity that something like that would... Um, would kind of come around. So that was kind of cool. And the other thing I wanted to bring up was obviously last episode, we played a number of ghost line calls and we received a little bit of feedback uh, about that. And now it was only a handful of people, but the way I, the way they say to evaluate these things is usually one person is representative of maybe a small number and then it kind of goes up. So if like five people tell you about the same problem and you have an audience in the tens of thousands, like we do, odds are it's probably more people. They just don't write in. And those people were saying that they had a really difficult time understanding the ghost line calls, particularly when they were listening to the show on um, a car stereo. And so there, I think what we're going to do is we're going to look at maybe just retelling the stories. So we still want, we would love for you to call into the ghost line. And if you want to email yourself like a, a more clean recording, say like record it using the app on your phone and then email, attach it to an email and send it to us at ghostoryguys@gmail.com. We can play that. But the voicemail is the quality is the shit uh, with, with, with the company we use for the ghost line. So we're going to come up with a different solution. But anyways, one of those calls from was, was from a listener named Amy. It was a story about sign. Nope. There was a story about beep. <laughs> I can, I can see their lawyers rappelling down my apartment building now. <laughs> um, actually, one of our listeners told me that she toured one of their facilities while on mushrooms, I think, which I was, was going to say, you need to be on something. Yeah. Very brave. I'm sorry. I can't remember who it was, uh, but um, anyway. Well, it's all right. They couldn't at the time. <laughs> I get, as you say, it's the only way to experience those, those places. <laughs> but while we were playing Amy's story in the recording, Amy was leaving another message for us, which I thought was just a, a really, again, like another really cool synchronicity because Amy left that original message, I want to say in May. Mm. And so it just happened to work out that she was... Um, yeah, she was leaving yet another one as we were doing the show with her voice on it, literally at the same time as we were playing her voice. Um, I'm going to be interviewing her as well at some point coming up because she has a story that I think will uh, will translate well in the show, sort of a black magic story from the sound of it. So I'm, I have to mm. touch base with her. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting stuff. All right. We are back from an extended detour talking about Charles Bronson. I don't even know how we got there. <laughs> I don't either. Nope. No. Nope. Some of the so patrons will get some of it. Some of it in the outtakes, but. Others will just, will just spare you. 
But uh, we, anyways, we wanted to share some of those cool synchronicities with you, things that have been cropping up around the show. And we will have a mail segment next show. We just decided to, to share these instead. And uh, yeah, so I guess with that, on to the stories. A Man in the Woods Let me start by saying this has been going on for over a year now. Some days are worse than others. I live in a rural area, in the same house since my son was two. He'll be 16 in May. Nothing at all happened or felt weird up until summer about three years ago. I was sitting on my patio, and all of a sudden got the feeling someone was watching me. My son wasn't home at the time, and I was alone. My house is surrounded by a wooded area. That was your first mistake. My actual driveway is almost a half mile long from street to the house. I looked towards a forest at the back of my house and saw a man standing in front of a tree. He was older, I'd say he looked to be in his 70s, wearing a faded black suit. He was bald and the left side of his head looked like a deflated basketball, for lack of a better description. He did absolutely nothing but stand there staring. This made me nervous and I went back inside my house. Fast forward to the present day and my son and I have seen this many, many times. He never leaves the woods, doesn't speak, really doesn't try to do anything, and we've become used to him. We respect his area, he respects ours. About three months ago, in early October, I was walking my dog in our yard. She started barking and took off running into the woods. I yelled for her to stop and caught up to her about 400 feet in, grabbing her leash. Before I could turn to head back home, she started growling. Now, my dog loves people and wouldn't hurt a fly, but her growl was vicious. When I finally turned around, there was a man standing there, approximately four feet away. I neither heard nor saw him approach. There was no reason for him to be in the woods behind my house. My closest neighbor is a mile down the road. This man was also dressed in a suit, a navy blue one. He had blonde hair and looked to be in his mid-thirties. He caught me off guard and I said, oh, you scared me. He replied, beautiful day out today. I agreed and began moving to walk around him, but as soon as I was beside him, I had the most awful case of nausea. I thought I was going to be sick, but instead kept walking with my dog. My son was home alone, so I didn't want the man to follow me to the house. Instead, I walked along the wooded edge of my property, all the way to the top of my driveway. I looked back several times and didn't see him. After a few minutes, I began going back down my driveway to home. My son called to me and said, Mom, a man came to the door and said to tell you it's very rude to walk away during a conversation. Since that day, things have happened at least three times a week. I found a tooth laying on my kitchen floor, a small pendant cross on my windowsill, I've had bruises on my arm that look like fingerprints, my dog died from metastasized sarcoma on what we thought was just a sprained shoulder. The same day my dog passed, my son and I both saw this man again. Well, we saw his face, but his body was grayish white. His arms were unusually long and his legs were just as long, and he was crouched down in a position like a spider. My son is terrified and wants to move. I'd be on board with that idea as well if it weren't for the fact that this man slash thing followed me to a friend's house one day, and she saw him too. Well, yeah, then you're really hooped, because move was also going to be my suggestion. Or start wearing clothes made entirely of sage. Yep, or that. There's also that. Mm. It kind of reminded me, the, the basketball head guy, I, I thought, you know, what if he's just some old hermit who likes to wear a suit and perv on people from the woods. I mean, I, sure, that doesn't speak very well of him, but you know, it, it reminded me, I watched this movie recently called Watcher. It just dropped on Shutter, and it's it's set in Bucharest in Romania. And it's about this couple who moves to Romania for the husband's job. 
the wife is left alone in her apartment and she begins to suspect that the guy across the street is a serial killer. Mm. Kind of like a real Romanian rear window sort of thing. And I mean, spoiler for the film, it's, it's still worth seeing. It's very tense and there's no surprises, but the guy does turn out to be a serial killer. But I thought it would have been a great twist if he wasn't. You know, I thought it would have been a great twist if the husband, because the husband was a real son of a bitch in the film. I thought it would have been a great twist if he had been the killer. <laughs> Anyways, but I was thinking that about, you know, about that film. I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if this poor dude who she is certain is a serial killer just turns out to be some socially awkward weirdo. And I was thinking the same thing about this old man. He looks a little unusual. He's minding his own business, just trying to make friends. And these bastards just keep staring at him from their, from their house. It is Unusual when you have these, I think when you encounter people in the woods where they shouldn't be or you're not expecting it, I think it always adds an air of mystique and suspense to these encounters. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's that thing about the woods, right? Where if you're not a woodsman yourself, and I say this as someone who's, you know, not a woodsman in any stretch of the imagination, you sort of, I think, underestimate how far into the woods you can find people. Mm. You know, I, I, I've told this story before, but I know a guy, uh, he's a very outdoorsy guy. And once upon a time, he was on a kayaking trip with some friends and they got to a particular part of the river and he's never told me what happened, but I got the impression they were way out in the sticks, but I, I think they passed some kind of something was going on, you know, whether it's a meth lab or, you know, some kind of grow up, something like that. And it, it was in a part of the woods where you think, well, no one would ever come this far out, but that's exactly why they came that far out. You know, so it's, you never know who you're going to run across and, and what they want. I mean, it could be that there's just a whole colony of retired salesmen who've just gone to live out in the woods and they're feral in their suits. <laughs> That's all Strange the guys. things have happened. That's it. Yeah. Just all the guys from Glengarry Glen Ross thought, fuck this. I'm out of here. <laughs> it's the madman cult. <laughs> yeah, there we go. They're just slinging scotch and misogyny off there in the trees where no one can bother them. Yeah. They're happy there. They're running free. They're on the farm. That's the farm. Whenever your, your pets said, you know, oh, grandpa went to the farm. That's the farm. We found it. <laughs> Mystery solved. <laughs> Retirement home for divorced assholes. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, the suit thing is interesting because if it's not just weird guys who walk out in the woods, which, you know, it could very well be, you wonder why they appear that way. Like, why the hell a suit? Well, it's synonymous with UFO culture, isn't it? The men in black. Oh shit, of course, of course, of course. And you is know. there any accompanying nausea like like the storyteller experienced? Some people have claimed all kinds of weird psychological and physical effects after encountering them, forgetting things, letting people in they wouldn't, you know, letting people into the house they wouldn't normally let in, talking to them when they did say they don't want to talk. Interesting. There's a wide variety of strange responses to encountering these people from, you know, even people passing out and stuff. And I always like the ones where things don't quite go correctly. I mean, there's a brilliant one where one of them turns up at a UFO witness's house and says, right, I'll only keep you 45 minutes. And as soon as it hits 45 minutes, he says, thank you very much. Gets up and goes. So he's either got social anxiety like me and he thinks his, you know, every moment he spends in someone else's presence is an annoyance to them. Or there's something very strange going on. Yeah. Or oh, my other favorite one is the one where it's a man and a woman, man in, men in, well, people in black. <laughs> right. And uh, the man seems to break down oh. during the, the conversation and he has to be helped out and he, 
he can't get past the table. They have to lift the table out of the way for him to leave the house. Weird. If those if those sightings or those experience like those encounters, have they persisted to the modern day? I believe so. Nick Redfern's done a couple of books on it recently, you know, in the last sort of 10, 15 years. So they are still being reported. I don't think they are to the to the level they were, but right. um, it's it's gone hand in hand with ufology and, and encounters and experiences since since it all hit the headlines in the fifties, really, up until sort of the modern era. A history of haunting. As a little girl, I was always in tune with the paranormal. Seeing my grandfather and his mother, who I'd never met, was a common occurrence as a child. As of today, the home is a hundred years old. My great-grandfather built it with the money he earned from owning a gambling den and pool hall. It was a humble home. In that time, four people have died in the house from old age and sickness, as have countless pets. I don't know if this is what has contributed to the aura of seething hatred that resides there. Ever since I was young, the house instilled me with a sense of grave fear, and I could always feel a horrible presence. Many house guests over the years would complain about feeling something evil nearby. My mom, brother, and myself would see a haunting black shadow figure with piercing red eyes. However, it wasn't truly human in appearance. It had a long, featureless face, long, gnarly fingers, and a tall body that would contort. You could always feel him watching you, even when he did not manifest, and sometimes he would call your name. When he would manifest, you would see him either on the ground crouching and cocking his head at you, his hands prying open doors, or he'd cling to the walls like Spider-Man and stare while slowly approaching you. He would back away and look confused if you spoke to him or asked for help. I believe he's caused physical harm to myself and others. My dad and my ex-husband would feel someone sitting on them and strangling them in the night. Once I woke up with scratches on my face after seeing him by my bed. This figure traumatised me for years and consequently I always had insomnia. For a long time my mum was convinced someone put a demon on her but it never followed her or us when we moved. He can't leave the house. I live next door now in another home my family built. You can feel and occasionally see him stare at you from the windows when you're outside the home, especially in the evenings around 3am. You don't feel his presence and the sense of dread until you enter the threshold. My husband feels it every time he goes to visit and has seen the being once almost six years ago. We were talking about him last night and my husband mentioned in detail what I used to see and his behaviour. He, of course, had to insult the creature when it was creeping towards us by calling him an ugly bastard, but he's seen worse. That apparently confused him and he left him alone after that. Over the decades, the house has been blessed and Curanderos have been called to help, but he remains watching, instilling fear and calling you. We don't know what he is or how to get rid of it. I feel like something ties him to our home. My gut tells him he was murdered long ago and tries to instill the same fear he felt when dying. Well, he, he just sounds like a paranormal buddy, doesn't he? Turns up trying to frighten people, going, oh, look at me and me creepy arms. And as soon as you say something to him, he's off. Yeah, get out of here, you ugly son of a bitch. All right. I'll put my foot up your ass. <laughs> I want to see the the Ghostbusters film with you. You don't need no proton pack.
<laughs> have my size 11 wingtip right here, Bucko. I'll need more than slime to stop me, son. <laughs> I feed on ectoplasm. Well, I could have done without that image. <laughs> you know, it's stuff like this makes me glad I don't own a house anymore because my luck, it would be the house that is built on, you know, a burial ground where I, the fact they mentioned countless pets died, I thought that was oh, a little suspect. How did they die? It's weird that you were that specific about the pets. But anyways, mm. I guess that, that's part of the whole kind of tied up in the whole home ownership thing, right? You're, you, own the, you own the space, but you don't really own it. It existed before you, the land existed before you, and it'll continue to exist after you. And there's always that little bit of anxiety about that, I think. Isn't there a show on one of the channels out there at the minute where people are trying to flip notorious houses where, that they've had a murder in them or something? Uh, that's very, oh, you know what? I think, I believe I've heard of this. I think it might be a, um, a, like a comedy show. No, there's a, there's a, there's a, there is a paranormal show, but I'm sure there's a real show. Oh, it's not a real show. It's clearly not a real show because it's the television, but I'm sure it's a, it's a proper like real estate show. No, it turns out you are correct. Murder house flip. (laughs) I thought, I'm sure it's called murder house flip, but that'd just be really tacky. No. no, well, this is this is television. <laughs> <It> really isn't. <laughs> that reminds me, there is a website, and I'm just going to pull it up here, called housecreep.com. Have you have you heard of this? Is this the one where it's the the map of notorious addresses? Yeah, so you can you can put in your city or your address, and it'll find all, it's a user sourced database, and it'll find all the houses near you where crimes have happened or um, various unpleasantness has taken place. And I am I I am obsessed with this website. <laughs> Well, I don't need that because obviously I know my the house next door to us was obliterated and seven people died in it. True, but I mean, there could be other obliterated houses. Oh, there's loads around here. Oh, well, of course. There you go. Well, over here, but we need to be spoon fed this information, Paul. And by God, <laughs> this website spoon feeds me this information. <laughs> you know? Where's your blitz spirit? Back in 1945. That's where that is. <laughs> there we go. I'll read you a couple of the, I'm not going to give the addresses, but if you look up housecreep.com folks, you'll be able to find uh, well, this is for Victoria. Find, find your own, your own murder houses. I was a resident of this property for over a year, just before it had a massive fire. The basement suite had clear evidence of the sale of narcotics from blood on the walls to paraphernalia left all around the property. The house itself had a serious black mold problem, was not insulated properly in the basement suite, which allowed water to build up in the walls and floors. It had a fire that was damaging enough to make the house uninhabitable from the summer of 2019 onward. No. Do do you buy houses differently in North America? (laughs) How do you mean? Do do you just like pull an address out of a hat or something? Oh, you didn't know that. That's not how they do it then. (laughs) Here, we go and look at the house. And usually if we spot blood on the walls, we go, hmm, we'll go and look at the other properties. Thank you very much, sir. Well, that's because you're a coward. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, we moved into the house. There was blood over the walls. We thought, hmm, that's a bit odd. It's I mean, like, it's like, you know, it's the start of a horror film. We moved into this house and the furniture kept moving around, but we didn't think anything of it until my <laughs> wife was pinned to the ceiling in the crucifix formation. <laughs> I mean, I, I get the impression from this that they were a renter. This was, they, they did not buy the house. They rented the house. I'd rather live in the woods with that man. <laughs> with basketball head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the rental market is competitive here. I'll say that. So you know, it has you, to be. You get what you get. Like I, I know some friends of mine lived in a house where there were mushrooms. Sorry, wasn't my friends. It was another apartment in the building, as I recall. But mushrooms were literally growing 
from on in the carpet from the leak in the ceiling. Mm. And it was a, you know, $1,200 a month apartment or something like this. Yes. We once, when I once took over a pub in Sheffield, when we moved in, we noticed that there was a strange lump, like a large lump, like a mini mountain on the kitchen carpet. I don't like this already. And it turned out that somebody dropped a bag of sugar on the floor. They just left it. Uh, oh. <laughs> so it was like a, a crystallized mountain of, of uh, semi-dissolved sugar that had just hardened and created some new kind of element. <laughs> and it was so bad, we just had to rip the carpet up because you couldn't get rid of it. Really? Yeah. Just like a stalagmite, just permanently yeah. stuck there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and the bath was so dirty. We filled it with water and put like five bottles of bleach in it, and it still didn't clean. It just turned it from filthy to an odd, odd gray color. <laughs> did, did you end up having to put in a new bath, or did you manage nah. to tune it up? I just went somewhere else to get washed. <laughs> I, I said this before. That happened with a guy across my hallway. When he, he just disappeared one day, left, took his laptop, his suits, and that was it, and uh, left behind an apartment in a state I have never before seen a human live in. Uh, and they eventually, they had to call in a hazmat team. There was so much black mold and they, uh, they had to throw out everything in the bathroom, all the fixtures, the toilet, the tub, it, it all had to go. It was completely compromised. Yeah. I, I walked in because the landlord said, you got to come see this shit. And of course, you know, I had to because I'm a horrible <laughs> gossip. And I remember walking in there and just started coughing, just started coughing just from the sheer amount of particulate in the air. You know, the, and I, and folks, I know I've told the stories before, but I just love it because this guy smoked so much that there was this like thick yellow film everywhere on the fridge, except where he'd hung pictures. And you could see where the pictures were hung because they were the fridge's original color. Are you sure it wasn't a case of spontaneous human combustion? And you know, that would have been better because they, they took this guy to court and you had to face the fact that no a human being just lived like this. Eesh. I mean, I've seen some science over the years. Oh, I bet. You got you to share one. Before we go to the next story, you have to share one horrifying pub site. Okay. So there was a, this wasn't something I was involved in, but the person who told me was a regular in this pub and then they'd had a dodgy landlord and the brewery had evicted him and he wasn't happy about it. So he, he locked the pub up, changed all the locks and then just threw the keys away. So nobody could get in for about a week. And when they got in, as soon as they walked in, they smell him and they were like, okay. And it was like red hot, all the heating been turned on oh, no. full blast. So it had been empty for a week with the heating on full blast. And as they were getting, so obviously they came in the pub and the living pubs in the UK, you've got your living accommodation above a lot of them. Right. And as they were going up the stairs from the bar towards the living accommodation, the smell was getting worse. The smell of fecal matter. No. And, and when they got upstairs, he'd smeared shit <gasps> all over the front room, into oh. the carpet, windows and everything. And he'd left the heat, you know. So basically, as soon as they opened the door, this warm waft of oh. poo just hit them all in the face and they had to shut the pub for three weeks for a deep cleanse. I would have burned the place to the ground. There's yeah. forget haunted houses. That finish that would finish me off in a second. Yeah. 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 Seen one one pub where one of the bedrooms somebody had been using it as a toilet, the wardrobe. It's always toilet stuff. Just use the bathroom, man. How hard is it? Well it was the bedroom next to the toilet. Oh. Okay. Which made even less sense. Oh, I don't understand people, Paul. I don't understand the internet with its camel sex, and I don't understand people with their indiscriminate pooping. Yeah, I've seen all. I've seen strange things put down toilets. 
You know, I've seen all kinds of clothes. I've seen trousers. What? Pants, bras, pipe pots. Shoved down the toilet. Yeah. People have tried to flush. I, I don't know whether they get, people get really drunk and go, oh, I wonder if this will flush. But uh, yeah. This continues our trend of things in Paul's life being far more terrifying and mysterious than anything we could tell on the show. <laughs> shifting. I'm not actually sure what to call this phenomenon, so I refer to it as phase shifting. It's something both my dad and I do where we seemingly skip around in space-time. I've even got eyewitness confirmation of one of these events. The earliest I was made aware of this phenomenon was a story dad told me when he and mom were first dating. They lived in different parts of town, and he could pretty much only go one way from hers to his. After dropping her off one day and heading his usual way home, he was suddenly in a different part of town, heading the opposite direction. All my life, my dad has a habit of disappearing, and not in the I'm going out for smokes kind of way, but in the you can walk past the chair he's in four times and only see him once kind of way. It's the more concrete examples that blow my mind. One time I was busy cleaning my room when I suddenly heard dad screaming frantically. He had apparently been looking for me for 30 minutes, screaming and yelling the whole time, freaking out. At one point he was even in my room. We could have both been standing in the center of my room. Neither of us could see or hear the other. Same week I was lying in bed actively listening to the TV show my parents were watching downstairs. Without a word, my mom gets in her car and leaves. She comes back with takeout and says, she got me whatever because I wouldn't answer her. She even told me she turned the TV all the way down thinking I couldn't hear her. From my perspective, that never happened. The volume never changed. Recently, in the apartment my girlfriend and I rent together, she witnessed my shifting. I was washing dishes when she pulled into the driveway. I waited a minute before going to the door to greet her, except she wasn't there. Assuming she must still be in her car, I left the door cracked and went to finish the dishes. No sooner than I had turned around, she was coming in the door behind me. I asked her about what happened, and she told me she saw me come out the front door while she was backing into the driveway. Not after. It's like I perceive time as linear, but I don't always experience it as such. It also seems to happen more frequently as I get older. Strangely enough, I was listening to an episode about Bell this week where they had a, a, a former trooper ring up about a story from Canada. Oh, okay. And that was about a disappearing person. And there was a blizzard. So this guy was out checking the roads, making sure everybody was okay. And he came across this guy whose car had broke down because he'd gone out in a car that wasn't right for the weather. It was just crazy trying to get through a blizzard in, in some kind of sports car or something. Right. And he broke down. So the trooper pulled over and said, are you okay? You all right? You need to, I'll, 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 we can leave the car. I'll give you a lift. And this guy just fobbed him off. No, no, no chance. I'm going to walk to that station there. I'm going to go get some stuff, come back, get the car sorted. So Trooper's like, right, fair enough. You know, I can only advise you so much. I can't, you know, he wasn't doing anything. He was just being a jerk about it. Right. So there were some other cars that had broken down. So the trooper went to sort these out and then he turned around and he couldn't see the guy anymore. He could see the service station. Right. And he could see the guy's car, but he couldn't see the guy. He vanished. So he went to the service station and said, have you seen such a, and they were like, no, nobody's been in here. No idea. Huh. So he thought, well, this is really odd. And he had a look around, couldn't see him. And essentially, he, after a couple of hours of checking out other people and trying to make sure nobody else was getting stuck, he finished his shift, went back. Five days later, the car's still there. Nobody's come back for it. Nobody'd seen this old guy other than the trooper. The car was impounded. Nobody ever turned up to claim it. Gone. Vanished off the face of the earth. Fascinating. I don't suppose you remember whereabouts in Canada. I think it's in BC. 
Oh, okay. Well, that, I mean, that, we've certainly had stories like that before. I mean, I've, I mean, the, some people there are. There's a very famous story, which is not true, isn't there, about the guy who was running across the field in in the US in the say the 1880s, 1890s, and as he's running, he just vanishes. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Is it, but it wouldn't surprise me if that was just a fabrication. Yeah, it's a, it, it's been well documented that it's just a tall tale that someone included in a book of strange occurrences. None of it's true in the slightest. Right, 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 right. Sadly, but um, yeah, I mean, there's one in the 411 documentary about the Grand Canyon case, which is one of the creepiest ones I've ever heard, where somebody just vanishes and they've got that picture of them just from when they, just before they vanished, some random person had taken a picture of their partner, oh, I think, and he's in the background. Yeah, that sounds right. And then he vanishes and they just couldn't find him. So, yeah. The car thing reminds me of, um, you know, obviously I've been working on Strange 2 the last little while and it's finally finished. And well, mm-hmm. I'm doing one last polish before I send it into the publisher, but it's basically done. And um, I remember this one story where there was a girl seen walking in a blizzard. And, and, and this is like a you know, teenage girl, like a girl in her young teens. These two mm-hmm. fellows pulled over and they said, you know, she was not at all dressed for the weather. And she was walking towards the ferry and, and to go south of Revelstoke, it's about a 40 minute drive. And then you get to a lake and there's a, a vehicle ferry that takes yeah. you across. So she was walking towards the ferry and they pulled over and said, Hey, um, you know, are, are you okay? You know, do you, do you need help? And she said, no, I'm fine. I'm going to Revelstoke. And they tried to point out to her that, no, you're going the wrong direction. And she just would not listen to them. She would not stop. Mm. So they went, they drove ahead to the ferry and they called it where the, uh, the employees called the RCMP and they scoured that road and they never found that girl. And there was another story, uh, further down that Valley, actually a couple of years ago, a fellow named Leo Remy, uh, parked his car next to the Columbia river and he's gone. He's never turned up, you know, not as far as I know, at least last I checked, he had never turned up in the river. He didn't turn up anywhere. He just parked his car next to the water. He has never been seen. And actually, I've got a friend as well. I mean, we haven't spoken in years, but her father, back in 2002, I want to say, had a fight with his wife. He was last seen on the highway on his bike. His bike was found next to a river. He has never been located. So, you know, these weird things happen. And and, and there there have been times, you know, where I've wondered if is it possible to just blink somewhere else? You know, the fact that in this story, this person, the volume of the television never changed. It's an interesting concept isn't it and i suppose the, the the more we learn about the universe around us and the series in regards to parallel dimensions and things and as I, as we've said previously i'm not a big fan of blanket explanations for a variety of phenomenon but mysterious disappearances are a strange thing because often there are n- numerous cases from all around the world of people disappearing in plain sight and you only have to look at i, I was watching a documentary about Louisiana and the problems they were having around Baton Rouge at the turn of uh, at the end of the nineties into the noughties, where essentially you'd got two separate serial killers working. Oh, interesting. And during this particular period of time, 63 women were either disappeared or murdered. Oh, wow. Um, and when they, I mean, they caught both of them, but they could only pin 20 cases on them. And one of the serial killers said, there's another serial killer. Really? I'll tell you now, but he was such a weird person. They just didn't give it any credence. He was a very strange man. Right. And, um, but they never, it, it's, it's like the other 43 cases didn't happen. So they just left, they just kind of left it there. They never investigated further. As far as I'm aware, they haven't. Yeah. 
they con- they they convicted both of those. I mean, one of them got sentenced to death. The other one, incredibly, got his life sentence changed to a uh, got his death sentence changed to life. Which oh, when wow. you when you hear what he did, you know, if you're in a state where they've got the death penalty, for 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 him to do what he did and not be put on death row is is mind boggling. Well, especially in Louisiana, they don't they don't fuck around down in the south when it comes to vengeance. And so yeah, and it's it's almost as if well we've got these two. And you know what's happened with the others? Yeah, it's a bit strange and it's a bit sad, but you know, let's move Jesus. on. Jesus, and that's one state. The demon hole. It was always my dream to flip a house, so I finally found a deal and saved up enough money. The house was over a hundred years old, and the previous owner had grown old and died there. She lived with four other people in complete filth, so the house was in rough shape by the time I got to it. Her family just wanted it gone. It needed work and they had lives to live and didn't want the headache. So we came to a price and the house was now mine. I was filled with excitement as I cleaned the house on my first day. But even as giddy as I was, I couldn't help but complain about how absolutely gross things were. The gloves I was wearing were quickly coated in a brown film that smelled horrible. The things left behind had a layer of grime that you could see and feel. Terrible smells of animal waste and years of never cleaning overwhelmed my senses. As I complained aloud to myself, I tried to remind myself that this is the cost of getting a good deal and I was going to make something out of this place. I made some trips to the basement and there was a spot on the back wall with a cutout that gave access to a breakfast nook above It was just a large three by three foot square cut out of the middle of the wall leading to a dark, creepy crawl space. In my mind, I called it the demon hole, but never out loud, too afraid it might be true after some of the weird things that happened to me in the past. So I cleaned and complained and changed many pairs of gloves as I put in the elbow grease needed to get the house ready to sell. Then on one trip to the basement to clear some spider webs from the floor beams, I felt it. It felt uncomfortable. Maybe it's just me feeling gross from the huge amount of spiderwebs. I continued, more uncomfortable. Weird, I think to myself, but I keep going. I've got to get this place ready for a walkthrough. After a bathroom break, I resumed cleaning the basement. And it's stronger this time. A feeling like I'd never felt. My hair stood up on the back of my neck. I felt eyes looking at me. I smelt rotting flesh. Whatever it was smelt worse than anything I'd ever smelled, and I was in a really smelly house. The thing that really unsettled me, though, it didn't come from the demon hole. If it came from the demon hole, I could blame it on my mind playing tricks on me. But it came from the opposite end of the basement, a very old root cellar with a wooden door, older than the lady who had recently died in the house. I knew at that point I had to leave the basement. I could feel it. It was so angry and it wanted me out. I've never felt anything like it. But I couldn't leave. I had to prepare the house for sale. I kept coming back to the house, but never again did I complain about the house. And I would never enter the basement alone and never came further than the base of the stairs. That wasn't the last of the activity. I kept coming back to clean the house and noticed things happening. It's an old house, so the rooms are extremely separated. 
The living room and the kitchen were divided by a door. This door was closed every time I left and wide open every time I returned. Maybe it's the summer heat, I told myself. That makes sense, right? I was curious though, so I tested it. I'd leave for short periods of time and come back. The door would be opened. I'd make sure I close it. The next day it was open. I'd go outside for a short time. Opened. At this point I had tested it pretty well. The cabinet did the same thing as the door. Opened on its own every time I left and came back. And both had signs of being locked by the last owners. Odd. Maybe this had been going on since before the lady died. Maybe this had nothing to do with her. Perhaps they felt it too. Why else would this stuff be here? It didn't make any sense. But hey, all of this could be the wood swelling and shrinking from the heat of the day and the cold of the night. Maybe it's nothing more than my imagination running wild. Then the thing happened that I couldn't will away. One day I opened a closet at the base of the stairs. It was so tight I pulled on it for quite a long time before it finally came open. A loud crack echoed in the empty living room as I finally gained access. I placed the vacuum inside to conceal it from the first viewers, then closed it with as much force as I opened it, slamming my shoulder into it and working up a bit of sweat in the process. I went upstairs and made sure everything looked good for the first viewer. Okay, we're all set. It's showtime. And then my heart stopped when I saw it. As I returned to the first floor, the closet door was wide open, no pop of the wood. How is that possible? It was jammed shut. There was no way. I had to slam it shut just as hard as I did previously and make sure it was closed all the way. There was no way that could have opened on its own. The same chill ran up my spine as that day in the basement. This house is haunted, and whatever it is, it wants me to know. I never returned to the house without someone else present after that day. Sometimes I wonder what the new owner has seen. Should I have told them? Am I crazy? I'm not sure. All I know is that I would never enter that house alone again. And the entity came out of the demon hole. I mean, I don't believe in demons, but I do believe in hauntings and I do believe in holes in the walls. And yes, uh, I don't like either, if I'm honest. <laughs> this one really fucked me up because what is she is, pardon me, what she is describing partially sounds like my old basement back in Revelstoke, my, the house I used to own, because I had a, like a little root cellar and I also had a hole in the wall. And now the hole in the wall had a functional purpose because my, my house the, someone had added on the kitchen. So the kitchen was quite, quite long, but they never dug out a basement for that part of the kitchen. So it just sat on the ground. And what that means is the, because the sink is at that end of the kitchen, the pipes are very close to the ground going out there, which means when it gets cold, uh, if you don't keep the cold water running all through the whole winter, your pipes, that, that pipe will freeze. Mm. And so the previous owners left behind for me a shitty old space heater, this old, you know, probably world war two era, you know, maybe a 1960s era thing with like a tiny, not, not, not nearly the kind of grounded cord you want for something that generates heat. <laughs> and what I would have to do is I would have to push this long space heater into the crevice underneath my, in my basement. And if the pipes froze, plug it in and leave it there for about half an hour. And that would heat up the pipes enough that they would thaw. But I got to tell you, one of the least favorite parts of my day was having to put that heater in the, you know, in, in my own demon hole, we'll say. 
boy, I don't <laughs> like the way that sounded. Also, my uncle's place when I, you know, growing up, which was a very haunted house, and I, I don't know if it had anything to do with this, but the house was haunted. He had a giant hole in the wall in the basement, and I don't know that there was ever any explanation given for it. Hmm. It just was just a hole in the wall that kind of led off into the dark, a little bit like that, um, like the episode we did, the haunting in Brooklyn. Yeah, you know, there was just like these cabinets that go into dirt. This was kind of like that. Yeah. Can I clarify what on earth is a root cellar? Oh, it's it's like uh, it's we we you know where you store preserves. Oh, so like a larder. Well, I, I'm I put on some weight since I've uh, <laughs> hurt my my leg, but I feel like you you're kind of being mean there. Yes, uh, yeah. So yeah, we would call it a larder here. Yeah. Oh, we used to in the old days. Yeah, probably like it's downstairs. It's in like the basement. Well, sometimes it would be just off from the kitchen. We we, we weren't big on cellars or basements here. Uh, of course, right, right, right. Yeah, so the, yeah, basically, it's it's a place where you would store vegetables or you would store mm. yeah, pres- you know, canned things back when people did that more, you know. And and yeah, I had I had it was an unfinished basement, so I didn't spend a lot of time down there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know it was a little, probably like a five by maybe a five by eight room, mm. uh, with shelves on either side mm. uh, for preserves. And then yeah, the hole in the wall into which I would insert the, no, I just, just skip over that. But, uh, yeah. So that's, that's what that was. The monster in the cupboard. This happened when I was around 14 or 15 years old. It was around midday and me and a friend were hanging out in my bedroom talking about fears and nightmares. I was telling her that I get freaked out by the cupboards above my wardrobe. My wardrobe was built into the wall with small but wide cupboards above. She asked why and I began to explain it was because I always felt like I was being watched from the right cupboard. I told her how I once had a dream that something or someone lived in there and would come down to observe me in bed and occasionally sit on my chest. I would usually wake up short of breath when that happened. I told her how this person was tall and humanoid but behaved in a more animal way. The most terrifying detail? It had no features. No eyes, no mouth, slits for nostrils, and weirdly human ears like some sort of aquatic skin creature. After telling her this, my eyes were almost immediately drawn to the cupboard. And that's when an inhuman wave of dread and fear washed over me. I started seeing it. The cupboard doors were creaking open, and it began to almost spider walk down to the floor before pouncing on my chest. And that's when I realized I was crying. Not a dramatic stream of tears, just silent droplets running down my cheeks. One minute I was drowning in fear, the next everything was fine, my friend now grabbing my shoulders with worry in her eyes. Confused, I glanced back over to the cupboard. It was shut, with no sign it had ever been open. I asked countless times if she'd seen what happened, but to her it looked like I started having a panic attack. I had forgotten about it for a while, pushing it to the back of my mind like all the other bad memories. It was only recently, when I felt a similar feeling, that it all came flooding back. It's a bit of a strange thing, isn't it? That, that once again, you've got this spider walking again yeah. as well, which is another thing that people that really seems to freak people out, this way of walking, isn't it? I mean, I'm terrified by, of spiders, so I get it. <laughs> I've rescued four from the bath this week. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I once had to rescue a false widow from a, from a bath. Oh God! Um, which which was one of those moments where I sort of Googled, took a picture of it, Googled it, and went, "Yeah, yeah, I could get a very nasty bite here if I'm not careful." Yes, sir. I was I was talking to Nick the other day, and she said, "Did you hear me this morning?" And I said, "No, why?" And I guess she went into the bathroom, which is where we keep the cat's litter box. 
Mm. And she went to go scoop it. And this giant goddamn spider came out of this thing like Dune. <laughs> well, we used to be quite fortunate here in the UK that we don't have any, well, we, we never used to have venomous spiders. Um, and the false widow is supposedly our most toxic member, which is a invasive species that arrived about a hundred years ago on the South coast. And as the country's got warmer, it's gradually moved up to where we are now. You know, even our most venomous snake, the adder can only give you a nasty bite. It doesn't really, well, I suppose unless you're allergic to it and some people probably are, but in general, if it gets you, you're not, it's not going to hurt you. No, all your venomous snakes get elected to high office. <laughs> Good night, mommy. Weird stuff always happened in this house that I grew up in. Frightening things. Weird things. It all became whatever after a while. Normalized, I guess. So much stuff experienced by multiple people at one time, and so much more can be told by tales alone. My room was on the upper floor across the hall from my sister's, separated by a few full steps. My sister and I always slept with our doors open. That changed because of this one night over 20 years ago. Now I will never sleep with my bed next to an open door, nor will I sleep with my bed under a light switch. My bed was positioned to the left of the bedroom door, the open door on my right. My bed frame was perpendicular to the open door, as well as the light switch, which was directly above my head. Just a quick reach up. I was awoken by my mother standing almost in my room. Almost. I saw more the outline of her, which was lighter than the rest of the darkness from the hall. I also felt her more than I saw her, like I was supposed to know it was her. She was standing right outside before stepping in my doorframe. She was standing to my right, me still laying flat on my back in bed, and her not quite in my room. I couldn't actually see her because she was in the absolute darkness of the hallway. I asked her, confused and sleepy, what are you doing up here? My mother's room was in the finished basement, two flights of stairs down. Her response, you forgot to give me a kiss goodnight. My heart stopped and felt heavy. I was probably about 14 and I couldn't remember a time I gave my mother a kiss goodnight, let alone a kiss at all. Mmm, was all my brain could come up with. No way was this whole situation right. It was the middle of the night. My mother wouldn't come closer, and in no damn way would she come in asking for a kiss goodnight. I slapped my hand up to the light switch. I wasn't going to look, but as sure as the light above me, the darkness would be gone. My fingers made contact with the switch, but at the same time, something had touched the back of my fingers. Something cold and firm. It brushed my hand away. Not like shooing, but I like a no, no, no kind of move. One that you would do to a little kid. The hand was cold and firm. It sent a feeling down my arm. The feeling was pressure in a line down the back of my hand and down further to my elbow. Just a line, like I could trace the single line with my finger. My dumb brain went frozen again, and my body did the same. Whatever that was stepped back into the dark of the hall, but I was still frozen. Over 20 years later, I can remember my purple walls with cream trim and the light of the window reflecting off the open cream-coloured door. I can see that light giving off just enough light to see the outline of her. I stayed there in bed, frozen, 
eyes fixed on the opposite wall. The next day, I couldn't outright ask my mother what had really happened. I super awkwardly told her I had a dream about the night before. No reaction. That night is still so real and fresh. I can't place my bed next to an open door. I see a door frame on a dark night and it just comes right back every time. I can still feel the coldness of what touched my hand. Just thinking about it, my back feels right now like there are a thousand spiders running in all directions, creeping up and down my spine. Yeah, I got to say, if my if my mother appeared, even as a kid, in the doorway and went, you never gave me a kiss goodnight, I would know immediately something was wrong. <laughs> something is not right. I'm off to the woods again here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, tell basketball head to get the spare room ready. Fuck this indoors shit. <laughs> I'll take my chances with bears and Bigfoot, thank you. Yeah, that's fair. Well, at least, at least you understand where they're coming from. Yeah, hopefully. Well, yeah, I mean, it's possible you end up a forest bride. These things happen, but... <laughs> We saw Willow Creek. We, we know where that goes. Oh, God. <laughs> That's still one of the creepiest films I've ever seen. The back For me, the back half, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Completely freaked me out that last 20 minutes, I have to say. Especially coming from, from Bobcat Goldthwaite, right? Because, I mean, his, his stuff has always kind of been like biting satirical comedy. But for him to just make a straight up found footage horror movie and then mm. really bring it in the back half, it was really yeah. impressive. Yeah. I must admit, I got halfway through and I was hanging on by my fingertips wavering oh, wow, over the control really? i was thinking yeah, these two people are really getting on my nerves a bit and then when they when they pitched their tent stuff started up and i thought hello it all starts when you pitch your tent yeah and it's just when it all starts and I, in fact talking about it now it's giving me a little shiver up my spine actually because ah. i kind of know what's going to happen when and when obviously it all kicks off towards the end i think oh god right isn't going to end well yeah, folks, if you haven't seen Willow Creek, uh, we do uh, th th consider that an official Ghost Story Guys recommendation. Yeah, freaked me out. That and exists, I think, are the two. There are, there are several Bigfoot-based films that I love, primarily because they're crap. <laughs> but um, they're, they're two of my top five, I have to say, along with Bucky Creek and The Abominable Snowman. I still haven't seen Exists. I, I keep forgetting to watch that one. Yeah, that's, that's quite frightening because of its violence. Oh, interesting. Okay. In the fact, well, it's not, it's not violent. That's kind of giving the wrong, at the end of the day, you're dealing with a, a giant wild creature. So it's, it's, it's not violent. It's probably behaving as it would, but it's not the fluffy friend of the forest version of Bigfoot. Some people like to promote. Right. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's not Harry and the Andersons. No, 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 <laughs> no. I just watched, um, and this was our last story for the night, folks. So we're going to talk about horror movies for a minute or two here. So, you know, <laughs> listen or don't. Um, I watched Alex, oh, what's his name? Alex Garland, the guy who made Devs and Ex Machina. I watched his latest horror film, Men, recently. Yes. And it is, it's pretty great. Uh, and I tell you, there's a couple scenes, like it, it's sort of, it's the same way in that it builds suspense and things are kind of happening and you think, all right, well, this is a, this is weird, you know, but sure, I've seen weird. And then I, I won't spoil it, but things escalate. And no matter what you're doing, someone running at you screaming, trying to get into your house is terrifying. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a man or woman or you're non-binary, it doesn't matter. If you are alone in a home and there's a naked man outside your window, you're not in a real happy place. You are concerned, to put it mildly. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's pretty great. And, and the, I will say the end gets weird. I, I was going to watch it with Nick and then I thought, ah, maybe not. 
And I'm glad I did because she hates what she calls poetry movies, which mm-hmm. is basically anything where she has to draw her own conclusion at the end. She's just not a fan. You know, I, I took her to see Tree of Life once and <laughs> she hated me forever. Like it's, it, that has become one of the things like, well, it's not better not be like Tree of Life. Bloody poetry movie shit. <laughs> but this has a very poetry movie. Like th- this has a very open to interpretation ending. And, yeah. but, uh, so I would say prepare for that. But in terms of just like creepy, yeah, man is very much worth checking out. All right. Well, as we said, that's the last story for tonight. If you're curious about any of the films we mentioned, depending on how much of this ends up in the final cut, check the show notes. We try to include a media list for everything we talk about. Haven't needed it for a while. You know, for a while there, we were dropping titles like crazy. And then, uh, you know, we sort of it dried up for a bit, but I feel like this one is going to need its own media list. So <laughs> check the show notes for that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey there, listeners. Before you reach for that skip 15 seconds ahead button, I promise you this isn't an ad. We wanted to take a minute to talk to you about mental health. On this show, I've always tried to be as honest and open as possible about my struggles with depression and anxiety, because even though we've come a long way towards acknowledging the very real damage these things can do, there is still way too much lingering stigma about reaching out for help. And when you start to feel like there's no help, it's easy to start feeling like there's no hope. But Paul has joined me today to remind you there is always hope and there's always help. We're not going to try and talk you out of self-harming right now because we know that's not how it works. Instead, what we wanted to do was tell you something now and hope that should things get bad, you'll remember it and make a phone call or send a text message before you make any permanent decisions. As someone who knows all too well just how important mental health can be. It's never too late to reach out. In Canada, the number to call is 133-456-4566. In the USA, the new number to call is 988. That's 988. In the UK, the number to call is 116-123 or text SHOUT. That's S-H-O-U-T. To 85258. In Australia, the number to call is 131114. However bad shit seems, it will pass. And no matter what your brain might be telling you at any given moment, and believe me when I say I know this intimately, there are people who love you and people who care deeply about how you treat yourself. Should a time come when you find yourself despairing, Please know that we've both been where you are, and there is a way back to the world. Take care. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, to Sarah Kent, Anthony Germain, Luke Greensmith, and Joseph Camo, and everyone else who's part of the Ghost Story Guys family. Don't forget to check out Luke's podcast, Luke Lore. That's a short-form folklore podcast, now on the Connected Podcast Network. His latest episode, Blackpool's Most Haunted, dropped a couple days ago, and you can check that out by searching for Luke Lore wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, Joseph and I host Weird Together. That is a monthly live stream where we review a different horror film. 
Last time we reviewed Allegoria, which is a uh, quasi-anthology directed by Spider-One of Power Man 5000 fame. It's actually a fun little movie. It's It's got some, it's very, you know, it's low budget, it's indie, but yeah, it's worth checking out. And if you want to check out our live stream where we talk about it, just follow the link in the show notes to the Weird Together YouTube channel. And of course, thanks to you, my friend and co-host, the paranormal Johnny Carson, host of Mysteries and Monsters, author of the foreword to the second edition of Strange Little Place, Paul Bestel. Yes, did it make you cry? Almost, almost. <laughs> I read it to Nick and I was like, yep, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> Lovely, but uncomfortable. Yeah, that was, that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to write, actually. Really? Yeah, because it, it's it, it's always it's it's very strange when I look back at that period of my life. Because when I heard your show within within uh, a month of that, my relationship of nineteen years had collapsed in on itself like a black hole. I right. was suffering from severe depression and suicidal thoughts. My dog was terminally ill, and my life was falling apart around me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then within 12 months, um, I was on the way back. Well, my friend, I'm glad you're still here. Um, Paul wrote a lovely introduction, and I, I can't wait for you guys to read it. Uh, I will keep you updated on what's happening with Strange 2. I, I don't have a firm idea of what's going on yet. But uh, anyways, Paul, what's coming up on Eminem? Well, this week, I will be talking with British Fortian, Stu Neville, as I dive into a subject that has caused me extreme consternation over the last several years, where we look into the British Bigfoot phenomenon. I cannot wait to hear this. We end up covering far more topics than we probably imagined. So we dive into mysterious monks, strange ghosts, areas of high strangeness, the Fae, Bogarts, consciousness and coincidence. Oh, wow. But you come to the conclusion that Whatever people are seeing, it's not Bigfoot. I'm shocked. Shocked. <laughs> oh, there's a brilliant there's a brilliant story hit the newspapers over here in the UK where someone's found a pair, just a pair, of these enormous, quite clearly faked <laughs> footprints in some sand down south somewhere. And it's it's they're laughably bad. Because they, they're completely flat and they also look as big as a dinosaur. <laughs> right. They look massive. And, uh, and people go, oh, yeah, well, my dad told me about the Bigfoot that lived on the beach. Bollocks, he did. <laughs> when you told me you were doing a show on British Bigfoot, I, I was shocked. And then you explained the trajectory, and I thought, okay, no, <laughs> I get it now. I get it. But, yeah, so. we talk about the amount of death threats we got trying to investigate that particular thing from certain members of the uh, community that believe in that thing over here. You didn't really? Mm-hmm. Really? You got death threats? Yeah. Tried to get me banned from Facebook. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And ironically, after the show had been running six months, one of them emailed me and asked to be on the show. Of course. <laughs> you know, between the things I learned from you and what I see from uh, Amanda Woomer on Twitter, the things I've learned about the paranormal, some parts of the paranormal community, I am, I'm convinced there's no bottom. Oh, did uh, there, was, there was one the other day where um, a, a, a brilliant contributor to the field of paranormal was, was turned down for a contribution because the person that she wanted to work with thought she wasn't hot enough. I saw that. Yeah. She didn't have the sexy goth girl vibe, so he wasn't oh, interested. Fuck that dude forever. 
Yeah, I bet he's a real catch. Oh, I'm sure he is. Yeah. <laughs> real Adonis type. <laughs> well, I'm not getting sexy goth guy vibes off him. Yeah. No, I think you're getting. I think you're getting uh, Cheeto stained finger vibes off him. <laughs> I'm getting angry man in a basement vibe. Yeah, that too. Yeah, Cheeto stained. But, uh, but yes, and then uh, next week I've got your your fellow countrywoman Morgan Knutson rejoining me. Very cool. Well, where can everyone find you online? You can find me online wherever you find good podcasts by looking for Mysteries and Monsters. And we're also across all social media platforms, as well as LinkedIn, where I often turn down professional podcast promotion invites from strange people I've never met. I swear to God, that's all that's on LinkedIn now. <laughs> I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Largely the Truth. My interview podcast, Largely the Truth with Brennan Store, is out there. I haven't done it in a while, but I do intend to bring that back once I've uh, once I'm settled over in Montreal and got things kind of under control. And um, yeah, if you happen to be in Montreal, you want to meet up, I'll be there starting again. All goes well. I'll be there from starting from September 12th all the way through to the end of the year, I think. Again, if all goes well and to plan, which you cannot guarantee in these these days. Um, but uh, that is that is sort of where I'm at. And as I mentioned, I do the monthly live stream Weird Together with Joseph Camo, and that is just talking about horror films, which I love doing. So make sure to check that out. And if you're a Ghost Story Guys patron, you get the audio version. So you don't have to look at me. And uh, if Paul can tell you, he has to look at me for four hours every second to every second Thursday. That's a good deal. Mm. It's what gave me shingles in my eyes. <laughs> it's just, just a fraction <laughs> of the power I wield. <laughs> like Homelander. Slightly less homicidal. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Patreon, if you want to become a patron, head to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. That's patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have tiers at 1, 5, 10, 20, all kinds of cool stuff. There's digital rewards. You get the weekly shows, Book of the Dead, and Host Adventures. You also get early access to things like the audio dramas and these episodes. You typically get Ghost Story Guys either Saturday or Sunday ahead of the Tuesday release. And there's, again, bonus shows like Me and Paul, The Sunken Library, and all kinds of cool stuff there in the archives at patreon.com. Slash ghost story guys. If you want to get in touch, shoot us an email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Well, again, well, the email segment will be back on next episode. I just didn't get a chance to uh, get it all together before we started recording. Send your comments, questions, stories, all of it. We love hearing from you. And if you don't want to type, you can always call the ghost line. There's something Thanks to Amber Pease for our ghost line jingle. Again, that number is one 888 Leave your comment, question, story as one or a series of voicemails. And again, we may not play it on the show, depending on the quality of uh, our, <laughs> the quality of our phone line. However, we will definitely share your story in one form or another. And if you want to record your story using the voice app on your phone and then just email it to us, feel free, attach it, send it. And we would love to hear your story that way. Again, that's all at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. The second episode in our Transmissions from the Void audio drama series it just dropped last week. That was Bounty, originally written by Paul Kane and starring our very own Anthony Germain and his son Aiden, which was pretty cool. Mm. Um, Aiden, you know, I, when I first read that story 
Paul first sent me that story in 2019 or 2020 when we were trying to decide on something to do for that Christmas. And as soon as I read it, I thought, I bet Aiden and Anthony would be great in these two lead roles. And so I just filed it away. I told, I told Paul, I said, you know, uh, I want, at some point I'd like to use this, not right now. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. And so this year I, I dragged it out and licensed it from them. And yeah, they're, everyone's great. You know, we've got, uh, again, Aiden, Anthony, uh, Luke's in there. The author, Mike Thorne, who's a Canadian horror author, he's in there. The author, James Kennedy, who's a sci-fi author out of Chicago, very talented guy. He plays a brilliantly unhinged villain. And so again, you can find all of that. And of course, original music by Faustbot. So you can find all of that. Uh, well, if you're listening to this, you'll see where Bounty is. It'll be the one before this. But I do encourage you to give it a listen. It's something outside our usual wheelhouse, but it's a lot of fun. Everyone kind of comes together to do it. And I got to say, for a production involving amateur actors and uh, a budget of less than $500 per episode, it ain't too bad. Shout out to our composer, again, Rainy Days for Ghosts. Rainy Days for Ghosts is a project of film journalist and composer Jerry Smith. Also, don't forget to check out Rescore, which is now available via Night Harvest Recordings on streaming platforms everywhere. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter Kursov of Pizanta Music. Find more from him by going to nightharvestrecordings.com or by searching for Pizanta Music wherever you get your tunes. And finally, our stories theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. Find that by searching for Hexagram wherever you get your music. Again, that's Hexagram with two X's, not three. And if you're a Hexagram fan, and I know you are, I certainly am, check out our upcoming final audio adaptation, Havoc, originally based on a story by Mike Thorne, and Hexagram will be providing the music for that. So all new music, very exciting stuff, and I anticipate that will be out for the public on September 27th. So keep an eye out. Paul, I guess that's going to do it. Mm. We'll be back in two weeks. But until then, into the darkness we go. Do you want to go first or shall I? Um, I just gonna, I'm looking up the lyrics for Alice the Camel. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck is that? You know, Alice the Camel has four no. hips. No, you don't know that one? <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. Are you having a shit seizure or something? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Alice the Camel? Yeah. Alice the Camel has five humps. You don't know that song? No. Okay. It's a kid's song from over here. Um, is it, like, it sounds like you're singing the tune to the skeleton song. I mean, it, it could very well be our version of the skeleton song because we're terrified of death over here. <laughs> Skelly, the skeleton is dead. Do you have Nelly the elephant there? No. Nelly the elephant packed the trunk and said goodbye to the circus. Oh, she went with a trumpety trump, 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 trump. No? Nope. No, no. This is... Well, clearly our invasion didn't teach you everything. <laughs> it's got like the accent over the end. I just couldn't find it on the keyboard. <laughs> I don't know. What do you want you where, like where, to where, write to me about anything but camels, fucking? <laughs> really? How did that happen? Turkey? No, we were riding camels, not literally. Um, and uh, obviously one of them got a bit excitable and it just flopped out. It was like another leg. I think it's when we, I went to the farm park and one of their animals was 
showing showing his wares off. <laughs> anyone? Anyone? Bueller? <laughs> it was some kind of bovine. <laughs> some some kind of animal dung. <laughs> some kind of animal dung is my new album name. Is it an arm or a penis? Some kind of animal dung. <laughs> there you go. I'll come up with the chorus. You come up with the 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 verses. Yeah. Any film that features a scene where someone has sex smoking a cigarette. Um, oh, we're going to judge me now, are we? I see. <laughs> That's. It seems like changing a diaper at the table would be more work than just going to the bathroom. No, I've seen yeah all kinds of bodily fluids in places they shouldn't be, from men and women. Oh God. I couldn't, I could not do it. I was a janitor for a very brief period. Thankfully, the people were not too gross, but this <laughs> stuff I just could not do. <laughs> oh. It's character building, son. What's wrong with you? I got enough character. That's fine. <laughs> Every show needs a morally weak person. I'm here. It's good. <laughs> yeah. All, all my stories end with someone dying, Paul, or, or something terrible happening. So thanks. Hey, it's what I do. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we should uh, tie all this back together here. Laro, that was a long diversion. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Ruining bounds for everyone. Yes.